Hey guys, what's going on? No, 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 no. What? wait. What? You're supposed to say, hi mom. <laughs> hi mom. Yes! <laughs> uh, hey guys, welcome to the, uh, man, I'm out of, what is what? this, what are we doing? Uh, we're, <laughs> this is a recorder sitting in front of us, and uh, they have these radio stations are dead. Corner Conversations, that's what a, yeah. yeah. This is a podcast. This is a Corner Conversations podcast. Man, I feel like I haven't recorded a podcast in two years. weeks. Yeah, yeah, two weeks. Um, but it's it's Greg and Scott. Zach's not here. Zach, is, is he camping? We're just playing like rotating chairs every week. I, I, I miss Zach. You haven't seen him in a long time. It's been like a month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And September is going to be a strange month, too. Yeah, the next couple months in general are going to be something. Things on the move. Speaking of things on the move, (laughs) some things happening in the corner church world. This is keep on your radar. Uh, One is this coming uh, week we have our first ever corner church VBS and uh, pretty excited about that. It's Wednesday, Thursday night. For those of you who don't know, VBS stands for Vacation Bible School. That's, that's it. Which I think is a horrible name for something to want to get kids excited to come Vacation to. Vacation. Bible, Bible school. School. Yeah, one good word out of Vacation. Three. We should just call it vacation. Vacation. What do you call it? I don't know. Okay. What is it, though? Can you explain yeah. what Vacation Bible School is? Yeah, it's two evenings in our Camden location. Uh, we it's, it's really short, six to eight. Come, some songs, uh, a short little... Again, maybe this is a is bit... Is it free daycare for parents? Is that what it is? Uh, if parents want two days in a row where they have two hours where they can be away from their kids, that's take advantage of it. But not the point, probably. It's okay it. if it is. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, if you're a parent of a uh, a four and a seven year old, yeah, it is. Take advantage of it. Cool. Um, Great. But uh, while they're there, a lesson, some songs, and then the theme of it is is good. And we're going to be talking about the Good Samaritan. And one thing that we're going to be doing with it all is that we're going to have the kids act out the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're going to record it on video. And we'll show it at all of our services a week week later. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Nothing better than little kids acting out stuff. Oh, yeah. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next thing we have coming up is uh, the kickoff to our fall semester of connection groups. I think there's... Four, five, four, One, five, two, three, four, five. Right now, five currently. Uh, it would be great if in the next two weeks we could double that to ten options. Yep. Uh, going into fall, so if you or somebody around you or a friend have been thinking, man, it'd be so fun to read this book together. It'd be so fun to uh, go on, take our dogs to the dog park every week together, go through this book of the Bible together, eat pizza together, go to a movie, whatever it is. Yep. Uh, Put that, register that on our website so we can help promote it, so we can get the word out there, so we can invite uh, all of the different uh, Corner Church communities. Last thing to mention is that this coming week, the 30th of August, is the last day to get your 
pre-registration in for our fall retreat, so we're down to the last week of that. And uh, you can register after that. It just will cost you more. And so save yourself a little cash. Our fall retreat is it's about being refreshed, about connecting deeply with people, and it's about really getting away. And there's something really... I, I wish it wasn't so predictable, but like when you get away from home, get away from the city, get out to a, a quiet place, something where uh, some of the stressors and the regulars of life are, are, are distanced away, an hour and a half drive away, uh, it, it really does give some new, clear perspective. And so love for everybody to come on our fall retreat. Yeah. We're going to be jumping in. Uh, since we have a United service this Sunday, we're meeting at the lake. And so if you go to any of the Corner Coffee locations uh, tomorrow, Sunday, you'll most likely uh, be locked out and will feel bad. But not that bad because we told you multiple times. So come to the lake. Tell your friends. Come to the lake. We're going to grill. We're going to do baptisms. We're just going to hang. And uh, because of that, we have no typical message this week. So Scott and I decided to talk about multiplication. So we'll be jumping into that in just a minute. awkward silence i could wait a long time i know it's always like a contest yeah and yeah (laughs) i used to do a thing this was like the college buddies thing is that if you ever got pulled over with a group of of friends or guys or whatever the first person who said something to the police officer was the person who had to pay the ticket (laughs) and uh that's uncomfortable yeah you just this this is a different era. This is a different era. Yeah. But the police officer walks up to the door. Were you driving? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so it was any noise. And so, yeah, they rolled down the window. Excuse me, sir. Can I have your license? You give them the stuff. Just no words. <laughs> <laughs> what if he asks you a question? You just smile and know that somebody who's weak will crumble. <laughs> Uh, yeah how often was it not the driver though uh because i feel like it didn't i mean if if i was driving there was i was i would never crumble (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny no it it, yeah it's a different era yeah it wouldn't go over well these days yeah well today we are what a what a weird we're gonna edit that out no way we don't edit i know that's our thing this is yeah. leave a comment below if you'd like us to do more editing <laughs> yes uh we like greg had mentioned we're gonna be talking about multiplication today and an interesting question if you ask most people christians non-christians alike if you ask uh, a couple couple questions like where do churches come from yeah, I don't. I didn't know for a long time. They just are. They just exist. Yeah. yeah where Where do churches come from? Or uh, another fun one is that. Uh, so, if a church is starting, well, where's your building? Mm-hmm. That's uh, usually the first question. And uh, why Why is it that people like babies don't know where they come from? 
<laughs> Why do you... That's a good question. It's funny because my, my parents moved uh, from the Bay Area to Sacramento area to essentially be a part of starting a church. I think looking for better opportunity. Uh, this was like right when I was born. And so my parents knew what baby church life looked like, growing church life looked like. And I grew up in it, but my first recollection of church growing up was not baby, small, growing church plant. It was this thing that just for my whole life had already been there. Yeah. And so the idea of planting wasn't even a thing until I went to college, really. Yeah, I, and I grew up in a <clears throat> a historic Lutheran church in rural Minnesota that was there before Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how that's possible, but yeah. it, it just... Jesus had to pay licensing fees for the cross because <laughs> they already had it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, the church that I grew up in was part of... Uh, an early era of church planting where this was a Swedish prominent community that had uh, Lutheran tie. And when they um, immigrated to Minnesota, landed there, they said, we're Swedes, we're Lutherans, let's start a church. They built a building, they called a pastor. And uh, I I don't... They called a pastor. Yeah, the church Yeah, called the pastor. Uh, a pastor was then hired or came. It probably was not in English initially. I, I don't know that for certain, but probably wasn't. And then, uh, but then you were part of a church where I'm assuming it was a, a pastor and a couple of people, or maybe yeah. just a pastor. Said, I think back then they called it pioneering. Yeah. Where it was just a guy and his family typically. And yeah. they just set down the stake. <clears throat> they, it wasn't like... Uh, what I find very different of that era and what we've even seen in the last 10 years has been that there was the typical, like John McKenzie in Frisco, he tells a story of he showed up and the next Sunday they had their first service. Yeah. Yep. That's what you do. You just start. Yeah. Do you have any signage? Nope. Does anybody know? Nope. Do you, gonna, do you have anything? Nope. But we're here. We're here. So we'll do it. We're starting a church and the... What that means is, the vernacular means, is that what does starting a church means? It means starting a Sunday service. Yeah, Sunday service. Interesting. You, was your church... Was the the church you grew up in, was that... Do you think... <clears throat> obviously, you weren't alive. Do you, do you think that's their mentality to starting a church, was to start Sunday morning services? Is that why they got together before they even hired a pastor? Uh... Probably, I I think underlying it was that we're we're Christians. What do we do? We we have a church, and uh, and uh, the simple general that's probably all over the United States is that people uh, built homes and at the same time built a church and a school, and that's just what I mean. That was the next step. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the idea of a community planted church. Yep. Which is the vernacular we use today to describe what they did. Yep. A lot of the uh, it it also was tied together their 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 where they came from. Um, sure. Um, they 
they came in Minnesota. It was so many of them came from Scandinavia uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, you know, the Catholic roots. So many of them came from Ireland. Came so from I Rome. should start a NorCal church. I should be, uh, we'll say hella a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I bet that's, that would probably be a thing. Um, And today it's still happening. The fastest, the, in our movement, the fastest multiplying churches are ethnic churches. Yeah. It's uh, Hispanic people. First and second generation are saying, we're planning a church. And they literally, what they do is they go, we're Christians. We live here. We all, we either, our first language is not English. We're starting. Yeah. Do you think like the, is the mindset and what's happening there, is it saying that we need a community of people that love and care for each other and we love our community. And so we're going to start this thing to try to empower that, bring some organization to that. I'm just trying to put like, try to figure out why people would do that. Because in the church planting, what's cool in church planting right now is not that. Yeah. No, it's not at all. I, so I would give it a, a mixed glowing review. Part of it, which is good, but also it may be not that good is that because it can be closed off is that they're saying uh, it's really easy to plant a church when you say, well, let's get everybody who speaks the same language and understands the same culture together. Sure. Uh, but I think that usually happens because it's not currently represented, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. existing things there are not me and mine are not we're not able to be apart for probably a lot of different reasons. And yep. so we need, we need our own. Yep. I don't think that's inherently bad. No. And I mean, maybe we can get farther in this, in this, maybe now in this conversation, but I would say that it, it's not a, there isn't a new, there are new language groups, but in our neighborhoods, there is a new group that speaks a different language that is unrepresented or not welcomed. And, uh, they may look like everybody else, and uh, the church world can say, why don't you just go to another church? But they are not represented or not welcome there. Hmm. And uh, you know, I've, man, I've hung out with a lot of people in the last month. And I haven't tried to intentionally group it, but so many people that their story, the words they bring up without like me putting words in their head is like, I just don't know where I belong in this church world and what... All these things that are being offered, I feel like aren't for me, or I don't want them, or why would anybody want them, or what? And, and not in a like a dogmatic, like ripping type of a way, but just a, a moment of confusion. Just like somebody who speaks Spanish would walk into an existing church community and we go, uh, I don't, I don't speak the language, and I don't understand this culture. Yeah, how much of that do you think is? Uh alienation from past experience and how much of that do you think is just we've been taught that there's so many options and so we have the freedom to respond that way because yeah. i think of like the the lutheran church that you grew up in or the hispanic churches that you referenced there's they the, what they're doing is the only option right 
Yeah. Like, I grew you up... You figure out how to be a part. My kids in Minneapolis had not infinite, but a ton of options of where we sent them to school. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, it was one option. You're going to Uppsala Elementary, right. junior high, high school. And there is some paralysis by option. Yeah, I think if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, you have responsibility to figure out how to be invested in a community. Yep. Uh, I don't think there... I think some communities would be difficult for me to be a part of. But i that's one of my responsibilities as a Christian. Yeah. And I, for me, that's a non-negotiable. So then a question that we were asked many times... 14 years ago when we were planting the church and we said we were planting a church in downtown Minneapolis. And in fact, I remember this guy who he actually at that time was a uh, seminary student at Bethel. Uh, and he asked me outside of context, he goes, why are you planting a church in Minneapolis? There are so many churches in Minneapolis. About a year later, he was a part of our team, which is kind of a funny thing. But I just remember very, like his very pointed question was, do we really need more churches? Hmm. Yeah, do we? Why would anyone plant a church? Or what's the point? Are you asking me? <laughs> I'm asking everybody. Yeah. But, uh, if... So there's, I mean, there we talk about this a lot. Yes. I could, no, I could I say your answer. You can I say know. my answer. Yeah. No, we have, <laughs> uh, there is, there's simple capacity and that. I didn't catch that. Siri, Siri has an answer. <laughs> hey Siri, should we plant more churches? Nothing. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think the simple capacity is. There's some validity in it, but it's also not a logical argument. You know, it's way oversimplified. Because somebody says there are, you know what, there are 270,000 people in Minneapolis, and if you take every church in Minneapolis and you say there's only, you know, 180,000 seats or whatever, well, that same mentality would say, you know, the Viking Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, seats 70,000 people. Minneapolis, the state has. Four million people. We need to make it. We gotta have room for everybody. Yeah, but people. It, yeah, exactly that argument of there's. We need as much room for as many people are, but they're not going. Yep. So what's the point then? Yeah. Why would you plant a church if it's not to make more seats? Yep. And so that's where I I think, and I mean Greg and I talk about this a lot. But if you if you're planting churches to build more capacity, uh, you are doing the field of dreams church planning. If you build it, they will come. Uh, Does that still work? No. <laughs> but Does if, that work in the city? No. But if you plant churches to be in proximity of people, to be able to be a valued part of community, to empower people to love and serve and represent Christ in their given community, we should plant a lot more churches. What do you When you say plant churches, do you mean that we should build bigger buildings? No more. Should we build more buildings? No. That's that's another breakdown too. Is that we we uh, in the United States for sure definitely hold the idea that what is a church? Oh, it's at forty one fifty five Thomas Avenue. 
No, where, where? No, that's where the church is. What is the church? Yeah, it's this building, and uh, um, buildings are. Uh, it's very cliche that they're a tool and not what the church is, but it really is just uh, just an element of the church. And when church becomes so focused on its address and its toys, uh, boy, we really miss something. Yeah. Yeah, we, we plant churches to empower and equip people to do the work of God, to do good in their community, yeah. in their world, in their neighborhood, in their families. Yeah, and our mentality, the mission that we as Corner Church are called to is not to have more uh, like the black holes surrounded, surrounding the city where it's just like whichever one you're closest to, the gravita- gravitational pull of that location just that incredible density of gravity and it pulls you towards it and then you escape every sunday at noon and go back to wherever you are our our goal is not to have something that pulls harder from farther but rather to have something lots of some things that are that you uh, um yeah you get up you walk to and the walking to is not about uh, saving fossil fuels, which I guess it's nice, <laughs> but the walking to says a lot about because when you walk to church, you you're walking by your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people historically in the suburbs for sure, uh, to some degree, tend to move where their jobs are, and in those same areas is where. Oh, why are you calling me? Uh, in those same areas is where they buy their groceries, where they go to the bank, where they do life. Yeah, it's, I don't know if it, which is – it's chicken and egg. Some of it they they buy where they can get what they want for whatever price, and then those things appear. And sometimes it's the other way around. Yeah, it's probably both. Uh, Identity of community in a less urban environment is generally surrounding a school, you know, what high school, what junior high are you closest to? That's the connecting point. When you get into the core of the city, uh, the, the schools become blurred or dis- disappear. It becomes more about the neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, the block, uh, the address. And, uh, and because of that, people's sphere becomes much, much smaller. Um, on my block that I live on, uh, which is uh, between Portland and 5th and 7th and 8th. On that one block, there are more homes than there are in the town that I went to school when I was growing up. <laughs> and uh, so, and in Upsala, Minnesota, there are one, two, three, there are four churches. There are four churches. On on my block. That's on your block? There, no, but that's what oh. it would be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what is, so we talked about the pioneering days. We talked about earlier the community planted churches. Uh, recently we've seen, I would label it as entrepreneurial churches. You start a church like you start a business uh, type of mentality. There's, it's one person's. It's yeah. It's Scott's church. It's, I know it's you a, love it's a, that. It's a, is that yeah, your right. favorite? Yeah, so it's we, my favorite. So we always call it Scott's yeah. church. Yeah. It's the... It's the visionary and the venture capitalists coming together yeah. and starting something. Is that 
is that where we're currently in? And is that where it ends? Uh, I think that's a lot of what we're giving a lot of energy to in the church planting world, which Greg and I have. Uh, there, There's this weird, not weird, but there are many subcultures in our world that you walk next to all the time and are completely unaware of. And one of them that's out there that exists all across our country is the church planting movement world. There are conferences, there are books, there are uh, experts, there are people that are trying to blow it up and people that are trying to keep it going. And so that's happening all around us. And in that subculture, uh, the thing that is getting the most noise and the most celebration is the uh, the creative entrepreneur that's coupled together with whatever venture capital is and blows up quickly. And blows up quickly means it goes from zero to something that is big. Yeah. Quickly. Yeah. What is the what is the value of that? Like, what is the good that's been? that we've seen in that. There, there, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of good, a lot of people that, uh, uh, that have been disconnected or lost sight of, or had no connection to church have been connected to the body of Christ through those. I would say it's in, it is a very easy, uh, that model of church is an easy on-ramp to Christianity. Yeah. The, I would say it's brought a lot of money into church planting. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing. The thing that I I think it has to always be said is that, um, and I talk about this all the time, is that there are layers of Christian, Christianness in all of uh, every culture. You know, if you'd stack all people where the people, I mean, bottom is not some ulterior motive, whatever, but people that are farthest, farthest from the Christ, farthest from Christ on the bottom and the people that are most Jesus-like in the top, um, then you just layer it. And somewhere in there is where people go from, you know, I, I'm not a Christian to being I'm a Christian and, you know, all these different layers in this. And the this church planning model that we just talked about is really, really good at reaching and connecting those that are already Christians but are disconnected to church community, people that are basically Christians that are either relocating or somehow are in transition and those that are almost Christian. So like I grew up in a Christian home. They're they're non-practicing Christians. It's a lot of times families who've just had their first kids and they want their kids to grow up in a Christian household. Yep. That's a common theme. Yep. And, and it's beautiful what has happened over the last 20 years through that model and planting those churches to reach that, what was a majority layer of, of people in a community was really, really effective. Uh, what if you walk into a community where that layer of Christians and almost Christians that are not connected to a church community, what if that layer is of thousands of people is four? Yeah. And as opposed to out of 5,000 people, what if it, it, you know, it might be 3,000 people, it might be over 50%. And that way you open the door and you do your your big things and you launch big, all this stuff that, that just thrives really, really quickly. But if you did the exact same thing in a community where there are uh, the layer of almost Christians or the disconnected Christians is really, really thin. You do that and you just go, it'd be crickets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what's missing then? Like the, if that is the group that's been being tapped into, I know, I know lots of suburban, large suburban churches that, 
you can track their growth exactly with the home build home building happening in that suburb. Yeah. If they built a fifty percent of new homes in that city that year, then the church grew by fifty percent. That's yeah. very common. Yeah. Which is good. But what if, what if again, what if you're in a community like Uptown or the North Loop where there is a there are new people moving in all the time, but the a majority of people that are moving into our communities are not their first words are not now that we're here, I wonder where we're gonna go to church. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just eagerly, you know, they uh, are we gotta figure this out. Um, what if what if most of the people in a community uh, they're it's not just low on their list. It's on their list of things that they would never ever imagine doing or want to do. It's on their opposite, yeah. 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 That's I mean that's where we're at. Yeah. And so this is a for us it's not a moment to go one way of planting a church is better than another. But uh it is important to plant churches that are that have the community in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the way that I view church has I feel like every 10 years of my life it's changed drastically. And so I always try to think of what it's going to be like in the next 10 years. Um, but I think like the uptown, it's easy for me to talk about because I experience it every day, is either people, like you said, who would never touch church or it's people that have touched her church and been told they're disqualified. Yep. And, uh, and so how do we multiply a community uh, in a setting like that. What's <clears throat> the answer is not going to be just throwing a bunch of money at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, money helps. It, it's a part of it. <laughs> sure. But uh, I, it, it's really led by what your goal is. If your goal is to, uh, in any community, to draw a crowd Uh, you you can do that in a couple different ways. One is you can what you produce, like what product you produce, uh, how consumable it is. Uh, I would say that that's exhausting, dangerous, probably not good because you're gonna have to reinvent and grow, and it's probably not Christ. <laughs> uh, you can do it by uh, again by like a really. It's part of the product you produce, but like a really strong personality, uh, a famous thing, your Gucci wears, whatever. Yeah. Um, another thing you can do is you can have just a broader and broader pull, have sure. more gravitational pull. So like you can plant a church in the middle of a non, like a, a community that has no Christians. And if you have a broad enough pull that draws in that community, but majority is from outside that community and, uh, I think that's, again, I would have some reservation in that as well. Yeah. I mean, the the goal is, for me, the way I see multiplication is not just like us all of a sudden starting to spin off new locations and new things, but uh, creating a culture of self-multiplication. So yeah. if I, you know, if I'm on the speaking team or if I am a worship leader or if I am... Uh, 
maybe it's not even something I do at church, but if there's something that I do in community, it's equipping other people to do what I do. Multiply yeah. myself first. Yeah. Um, and I mean, hopefully as we multiply ourselves, we're giving people opportunity that they wouldn't be given otherwise. Yeah. We've talked about this quite a bit, uh, but you know, can you imagine if you know, people will just say in the corner church world, and I hope this is happening across our country, but if people inside of a church would have uh, deep passion and calling for the people that live in their like their block or their neighborhood. And in doing that, they would serve that community intently. They would build relationships deeply. They would uh, be redefiners what it is to be a church and a follower of Christ. They would eat with these people a lot and uh, uh, be with them, have a relationship with them. And um, if those people would say, you know, hey, we're one thing that's a part of who we are is we're part of Corner Church and um, is of this community that we've been a part of here in this neighborhood. Is there anyone here that you don't have to have everything figured out, but would you be interested? What if we did something, a Corner Church in this neighborhood and it isn't uh, a bunch of people that we would truck in from somebody somewhere else, but rather what if, what if we would mm-hmm. seek Christ and his reality and see what that happens and together together mm-hmm. and what if, you know, what if 10 people say, wow, we're, we're not perfect, but uh, pretty remarkable that God has us here right now. We believe we're well-placed. That's a leap of faith. And uh, what if those 20 people or 10 people would, uh, through some uh, maybe a long time, but uh, have a portion where they're connected to a corner church community, but are also are just being very intentional, being doing walking distance of where they're at. And then a moment when, uh, instead of saying, we've got a planter, go to that neighborhood and start a church in a community that there are, there isn't a long line of people that are excited that you're there, which is part of our predeterminers. We should go to communities that they're not necessarily excited that we're there. We have to. Yes. And not to just go then say, to stick it in their face, but rather to then become excited, <laughs> have yeah. them become excited that we're there. But yeah. can you imagine if that, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 people would go back to old school and say, we have a church. We're here. We all walked here today and we're going to start a church in this community. I, th- I think that it becomes sustainable and multiplying right away. Yeah. It happens much more quickly, and it. Uh... Well, from that moment forward, it for sure is quick. But to get to that <laughs> moment, it might take a long time, well, and that's okay. I, we haven't seen it happen yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yes, I. It's a different way of thinking about church multiplication, but it puts responsibility on everybody. Yeah. And we we talked about this earlier, but it's it's often been in modern history. It's been the sprint to the service, hmm. and uh, what if we didn't have to have a sprint to the service? What if we didn't have to? Hey, we're going to start a church. So in seven days, actually, it's already Monday. In six days, we're starting a service, weekly service. Yeah, it's not about service. It's about serving. Yeah, it's about. Uh, having a community of people that 
care and love for each other and love their community and is serving that community yep. and serving one another. If I, I think, and I'm going to mention just a little bit about this on Sunday at our United service is that if we think that having our Sunday gatherings and us getting together, even for United service will empower us to love our local, to meet needs early and to do it together, we're probably mistaken. But if we see as the body of Christ that we are, God is, we are well-placed, it's well-timed, we are well-equipped, and it's just, God is just so excited about what is, which is us in our communities. And we are then loving and investing, focusing our, the core of who we are on the people that are closest to us in proximity, whether it's in our home or just outside of our home, that we're focused on meeting needs that are before they're just catastrophic. And we're constantly realizing that we're incomplete unless we do it together. If, if we think that a service leads that to happen, we're mistaken. But if we think that we do that and it leads to value in a service, that is radically different. It's, it's putting the, the, if the driver, we think, if we think the driver is the service, we're missing something. Mm-hmm. If we're thinking this, again, local early together that we talk about, that is the discipleship process. Discipleship process leads to the value of a church gathering on a Sunday. Not the gathering on the Sunday leads to discipleship. And so if we plant a church that says, we're going to disciple us community. And... Uh, and as we do this, whoa, right? It really makes sense for us to meet every week mm-hmm. because we're discipling people in this community as opposed to saying, we're going to start a service with a that works really hard to get you to come back again next week. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe somebody will get discipled. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that my dad, I got married when I was 20. <laughs> And uh, I remember my dad and I having a conversation. It's actually, I think it was like at the rehearsal, which is a little late in the game. <laughs> but he goes, you know, I, I can't remember what led up to it. But he said, you know what? You know, when you get married, uh, you do it because you just can't imagine not being married, not being together. And it's just, it's a natural outcropping. It's a natural next step. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't do it to fix anything. You do it as a, it's an, it's the, it's a response, a, that public commitment is, and that declaration, that lifelong commitment is just a natural response. I can't imagine doing anything else. It doesn't make it easy yeah. or uh, um, necessarily always, yeah, definitely not easy. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, when we say, you know, why, why are you starting a church in our community? Uh, you know, if you say, well, uh, I'm just, we're going to do it. Why are you starting a church right here? Because that's where we said we were going to do it. What I hear in Uptown all the time, because this neighborhood is so cool. It's full of young 20-somethings that need need to know about Jesus. It's, that's true. But... But what if what if the church was an outcropping of the discipleship that's already taking place there? Yeah, of people saying uh, this is mine. Yeah, and yep. I care about it. Yep. And now there, there's a whole bunch of challenges in doing it that way. It's not. This isn't an easy road. 
Uh, one of the reasons there's been historically a sprint to the service, a weekly service, is because it makes it economically sustainable. Yeah. Somebody can get paid. Yep. Uh, another thing, too, is that... Which isn't wrong or nope, bad. Nope. I like that I get paid. Well, <laughs> the, the thing is, is that uh, I know what you do every week, and I think I know what I do every week. And if I don't think that my my view of calling and ministry isn't that I'm overly I'm not overly special, but uh, we are working hard. And if if we weren't compensated for that and to its extravagance, <laughs> <laughs> then then we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do what we were doing. Yeah, yeah, it would look different. Yeah, which again may be fine. But so another reason why we sprint to the service is because we sprint to what's easily counted. Mm-hmm. Um, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Well, we had 10 more people than we had last week. So we must be. Yeah. It's confirmation. Yep. Yeah. Confirmation bias, which I think the whole reason church planting is where it's at is because we've, we're focused on the wrong version of success yeah i i do love that church plants in modern statistics have uh, connected more people to christ than existing churches yeah i believe it that's that's a great thing um but it's a razor's edge you can that can be an outcropping of what you're doing, or you can be chasing that and in a and again a weirder, twisted way. Yeah. The Christian world is loaded with plaques. And if 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 we're doing something to get a plaque on the wall, you know. I, but Yeah, I mean we we people tend to do the things that are celebrated and so uh and at corner, we try really hard to figure out what things we should be celebrating. Yeah, and uh, and we need to do better at celebrating those things. Well, uh, but it's almost never going to be a number. Nope. I don't know. To, I guess we could talk about this all day. I know. I feel like we've been going for an hour. Yeah. The the thing that I would say, just in wrapping this up, is that uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, God is not surprised with where you're at. He knows where you are uh, physically, like where you live. He knows you, where you are relationally. He knows all the people that you're connected with. He's not surprised with that. He's He knows where you are at in your spiritual health, your emotional health. All these, he's he's aware of all that. He's, he knows what happened to you. He knows all of it. And um, my faith says that uh, you're well-placed. <laughs> and... In your being well placed, that you you are set up to to love, to care for, to disciple people that are immediately surrounding you, better than anyone else. Better than anyone else, and that's not just outside of your home. You are equipped to disciple your children and your spouse better than anybody else in the world. Yep. And then probably one or two steps outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, God has, throughout human history, has been relishing this moment for you. Hmm. And 
what if we connect that together with how we do church and multiplication? Yeah. Scott's lead <clears throat> voice crack. Wow. That was good. I must be 16 13. again. 13, whatever. <laughs> uh, Scott's doing a connection group in the fall called Multiply. And uh, it's going to be an extension of this conversation to a lot of degrees. Uh, I know he's reached out to specific people about it, but if you're listening and you're in Minneapolis and you are connected with corner at all and, uh, or not or not. And something we said today just moves you. Uh, I would encourage you to, once that registration goes live, register for that, be looking out for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Maybe we'll do a part two of this in a month or so. But I think the this conversation shouldn't end. And, uh, you know, this conversation is is what I feel feel most. It's the thing I get the most feelings about church yep. often. So yep. uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, you can find out more information about Corner at cornerchurch.tv. And uh, I think all three of us will be back together next week. Right? Zach will be back. We'll all be here, and then I'll be gone by next week. <sighs> I know. I just like it when we're all here. The gang's <laughs> all here. Oh, man. Thanks for listening. See you later.